Welcome to What Men Want. I'm your host, Sam Bam, and I'm so stoked to have you here. Join me for this uncensored conversation with men from all walks of life. I pick their brain around love, relationships, sex, communication, intimacy, anything and everything is up for conversation. If you have any questions that you would like me to ask these gorgeous men, please send them through to my email. It's samantha at wonderinglove.com.au. Now I'm sure you're as excited as I am. So let's get to this episode. Hello, and Hi. welcome to podcast number five with Damien Bola, my mentor. So stoked for this one. <laughs> like a little schoolgirl with excitement. That's how I feel right now. <laughs> um, so I'm feeling excited because I haven't gotten to know Damien on a personal level. For those of you who are tuning in. Actually, I'll let you introduce yourself. Uh, do you have any? Do you have anything in particular you'd like me to introduce? Love to know a little bit about what you do, who you are, your age, and where you're from. So I am currently living in the Byron Shire, Byron Bay area. I grew up in Sydney, however, um, and I'm 40 years old or 40 years young, or 40 years in this body, in this lifetime, whichever way you want to think about it. Um, <laughs> and I, my work is very much about, the main scope of my work at the, at the current moment is about teaching uh, a practice called Authentic Relating, which has some uh, assumptions built in, but I've, I, I, basically I teach relating and communication um, as a practice, as a way of development. And that's just the tip. I'm, I'm really building an organization based around that. And there's a lot more that I'd like to work on, but I'm very heavily invested now, like over-invested in the development of this, this organization now. I can't get out anymore <laughs> or yeah. not easily. Yeah. It's like it's chosen you in a way, would you say? Yeah, yeah. I would say this is... There's, there's something that I'm, there's a bigger vision that I'm working on and this is a step in it and it chose me a long time ago. Yep. Yep. Fully yep. hearing you in that one. I'm feeling that, resonating with that actually. Mm. Um, cool. So let's just jump straight into like some questions around your past relationship experience so that the audience can get a little bit of a scope of who we're speaking to in that space. Um mm. Yeah, like, tell me a little bit about your love life from the beginning. Mm. I, was, I was slow in developing a love life. I was definitely a slow starter. I had some early experiences, really young experiences, like uh, um, early primary school experiences and even earlier, where I felt, um, where I got really to me as a sensitive little boy got rejected quite strongly by a couple of girls that I had developed interest in when I was in my primary school. And that part of me, those experiences shut me down for a long time. And I had a lot of self-esteem issues, a lot of like a lot of discomfort in, um, in how I would relate to women. So I was very awkward and shy and, um, 
very very difficult to own my desires to express my attraction so i would very easily be the nice guy who i would like i would have female friends who would share everything with me but it would never escalate beyond that or that we'd have long connections over a period of time um, but it would never escalate in the ways that i wanted and it wasn't until i was i think i was 20 i had my first relationship um and that actually eventuated in a when i was on holiday in thailand and it it arose between myself and uh, a local woman and had me coming and going back and forth from thailand throughout a long period of my university education um yeah and that that lasted for around four years and then i had several years at the end of that relationship which would have little flings in it and 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 then about yeah about two years after that i actually ended up in thailand anyway i ended up living in thailand um, I ended up going back there, even though this relationship ended, to explore permaculture, explore um, something that I became very interested in at the end of my university, which was in environmental science. Um, and then a couple of years later, I found myself in a relationship again with a, with a local woman. We were both working at a school together. She was a school teacher, and so was I. And um, we were in the same homeroom. So each, each room was a bilingual school. Each room had a foreign, you know, an English-based teacher and a um, a, a local and a national Thai teacher and we we're in the same room and a romance developed out of that really sweetly and we were together for we were probably together for about five years and then had a really protract, protracted end of the relationship which took more than a year for it to almost two years to actually untangle the end of that relationship um, she had a really she had a young boy um, when I met her and we started dating, she had a son that was two years old. And so he, you know, I was there from the age of two until he was like almost eight, around eight years old. And so I was very close with him. And so it was a, it was quite complicated. It was very tangled up because he regarded me as his father. So I've had the father experience, but I, I don't have any of my own children. Um, and so, yeah, there was a, it was a quite a difficult untangling of that relationship because it felt like there was lots of threads involved. Um, and after that relationship fully ended, which was like mm, pretty much around the time of turning 30, that was like fully untangled. And um, in that, in that period of time since then, I've had a number of relationships that lasted for maybe a year or so, um, but nothing that I've found myself uh, fully dive into deeply again since then. It's been something that's very fascinating for me, um, but I've also been on this, like, when I came back from Thailand, I was, it took a long time for me to make sense of my life. And what I was going to do, I came back and I was living with my parents for some time. And then I started exploring, like it was, it was a long time for me. I felt like, again, like I was a late bloomer in, in terms of it was a long time for me to find my feet vocationally and be like, what am I, what am I wanting to do in this world? Like I felt intelligent and like I could do, I could do anything. And I was paralyzed by the choice. I just didn't know which direction to take. And so that took a long time to figure that out. 
or at least yeah. maybe not to figure it out, to come to terms with it, to come to terms with what had already chosen me, as we've mentioned before. Yes. Yeah, I fully resonate with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so many levels. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so was it, you was like, because I know you mm-hmm. in, on some level. Mm-hmm. I know that around 10 to 12 years ago is around the time that you sort of began working in your business and taking the course of, of this relationship style of learning and understanding and whatever you want to call it. How would you describe it? Yeah, I mean, I, I got involved in the work of authentic relating largely through my desire to relate better to women. Yeah. Um, but I quickly realized that it's the benefits of that extended way beyond just romantic partnering. And I got really fascinated with how they create all kinds of relationships get better. Um, I struggled with making friendships a lot in my life. I had, I had a number of intimate friendships, but I always felt outcast like I didn't fit into groups and everything and it became very much a curiosity around not so like not just romantic relating which was definitely fascinating and I definitely had to go through a reasonable because I was in most of my 20s I was in long-term relationships it was almost like in my 30s I had to experience that we can talk about this later if you like there's almost like an urge in men that we need to be sexually satisfied in our variety so there was definitely a very strong urge of like wanting to explore lots of different connections, lots of different experiences with women to kind of feel my, feel myself satiated sexually, feel myself that I'd played the field enough. Like that was very much on my thing. But then the authentic relating was very much started to become a lot more about community than it was about dating for me. And so it was very, it became very much me building community. I wouldn't, I didn't really start my business back then, but I started facilitating and I started working. Mm. I, I started just facilitating out of my own fascination. And mm-hmm. as a result, I built a number of communities. Like I grew a number of communities in a number of different places where people would show up around, around these type of practices and drop in really deep and start to become more authentically expressed with each other. And I would run all kinds of interesting relational experiments, group, group, group type experiments I say experiments but really just different ways of facilitating connection and yeah and then from that I just developed a lot of experience in facilitating and, yeah. and understanding what what occurs in that space just on this because this is something that I find fascinating like hmm. there's not a university degree out there that teaches this sort of stuff no no yeah. The, the, the closest that you would find to it is a course in counseling or mm. psychotherapy. And then it's from a therapeutic perspective. It's not a relational perspective. So there isn't much that actually teaches human to human relating and the mechanics of relating. And there are rules to the way that we relate. And I, I mean, maybe not rules, but more habits. If you relate in this way, this is what will happen to some degree or another. There is a way that we work. There is yeah. a way that we, that our reactions and responses to them are going to be different. But, but if I relate to you in a certain way, you're going to be having some sort of predictable reaction to that. And if I re- relate to you another way, you'll have, and those predictable reactions are not like, I'll be able to determine what you do. But if I come at you aggressively, for example, you'll have a trauma response. If I start projecting a lot of assumptions on you, you'll go into defensiveness. If, yeah. I, if I really deeply listen to you and welcome your experience, you'll feel safer to open yourself up vulnerably. These are just 
innate to the way we relate and communicate. So if we understand these, we end up having a lot more choice in our relationships and our interactions, um, yeah. which, which works at all stages from relating to your family, from relating to your friends, from relating to a romantic partner in a workspace situation. It's the same, it's the same ground that we're working from. Yeah. And so obviously going through this experience the last 10 years, um, there's a massive, there would, there would, is there a difference in your experiences with women in the last 10 years compared to the experiences you had with women in your twenties being in those two long-term relationships? Is that a clear question? Am I like making sense? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I would say it's been evolving and it's still evolving. Yeah. You know, and there's different, definitely different paths. When I was in my twenties, I was a lot more unconscious of my patterns, a lot more reactive, um, a lot more driven by sex. Um, I miss that actually. I wish, I wish I had my, the maturity I have now with the sex drive of me in my twenties, that would be formidable. Um, <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> if um, only, right. If only we were educated on this stuff in high school so that we could enter our twenties a little bit more consciously and be yeah. a more, Oh, yeah. Well, it seems a bit unfair because women hit their 30s and suddenly their libido ramps right up. But men, as we like enter into the second half of our 30s, our libido is starting to wind up a bit. It's like going, it's no longer as strong as it once was. This doesn't mean that we're not sexual. It's just not the main driver as it, as it is in the, the 20s and 30s. It's like so yeah. fascinating how there's, a, there's almost a different arc that we have as men and women around our sexuality. Um, I was saying last night to a friend, it's like, it's like the older I get, the more I feel my desire for female companionship rather than like sex is no longer the driving force. It's actually the companionship and the vulnerability and the experience of being, being with someone and feeling the intimacy. And yet the women around me become more and more driven sexually. It's so fascinating. It's like, <laughs> that's their thing. They're like, they're like, I need to be fucked really well. You know, it's like that becomes really strongly in a woman's experience. And I'm like, okay. That's yeah. really interesting because we spoke about this in the voice memories and like I've been thinking of, as I do, I've been thinking about this because you did share that with me and you shared with me that the more conscious, what you've observed is that the more consciously aware or I can't remember the exact wording you use, but the more you see a woman evolve and become more self-aware and do the work in, in credit commas, mm-hmm. um, the more sexually her her appetite for sex increases. Yeah, it's but like not the more sex, but good sex. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like the more the more conscious and the more mature and the more work a woman's done on like kind of cleaning up her trauma and like dealing with you know a lot of unconscious assumptions and just all the things that are associated with maturity. It it seems to me that women then start becoming really sexually liberated, and in that there is an appetite in the female physiology that really responds very well to sex. There's like, there's a term called tumescence, which is, which is when a woman is not sexually opened, she can go into tumescence and become like really irritable and like, like hungry. Like if you haven't eaten, you get hangry. Women have that experience sexually as well. It's like, I just, I need to like have, have this tension dealt with in my body, you know, and really Mm. good sex 
you know, and it's very evident when a woman's had really good sex, she just becomes radiant, her day becomes really happy, you know, she's like super floaty and flowy. And if she hasn't, she gets like kind of scratchy and annoyed and like irritable about things. Um, yeah. yeah, it's re it's really fascinating. And so the more the more women <laughs> seem to work on themselves, the more they become attuned to that. And I mean, and with that healthy discernment. So like you said, good sex, not just any sex. There's a discernment there, but there is like this, like, I actually, this is a need, you know, this is something that I hear from women. It's like in, like in your top three needs of something or what you'd want in a partnership would be like sex, you know, it would be right up there. You know, I need to be, feel sexually engaged. I need to feel sexually compatible, you know, like. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Very much so. And yeah. um, it's so important. And it's like, so my, my, what I was thinking, I was like, well, is it then that because as a woman, when I hit 30, as a woman, as I've evolved throughout my 20s, I've learned through relating with multiple men and, and being with many men and all through these experiences and then being with men who are in tune with the female body, who are open to devoting and pouring their love into the feminine physique and doing all the things necessary to charge every cell in my body mm -hmm. because I've had experiences like that. It's not just being exposed to those men because those men are available to us, but it's also being receptive to that mm -hmm. and open to receiving that kind of that penetrative devotion. It is quite penetrative. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I'm wondering if it's got to do with age. Is um, you said that it has to do with the age thing, and like as we uh, hit a certain age, yes, I think the hormones and all that has to do with it. But is it also just like it is everything that I've just said that you've just said? Basically, it's the learning, it's the pulling away the layers and all of that. I've just reworded what you've just said. Great, <laughs> basically. Um, yeah. So I'm just going to put my laptop in the shade because it's kind of like overheating. Can you see that? It's doing that like uh -huh. lagging thing Yeah. because it's hot. Mm. So anyway, you're going to get – there we go. I'm just going to sit on the couch. <laughs> All right. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to like – I want to talk about your first relationship with that woman that you were with for four years. What mm – -hmm because it's going to be different to what you're attracted to now. But as a 20-year-old man, I'm mm. assuming you were 19, 20, you said, what attracted you to this woman? Because you it was your first relationship. You were at a point in your life where you'd been rejected pretty brutally by many women, and then all of a sudden this confidence, did this, did this confidence come out in you? Mm. It was more that she, like, she made herself available to me in a way that was like oh okay like there was was a little bit unexpected for me from my prior experiences I mean I, that's not entirely true I'd had I'd had um I'd had that before by women I'd had women make themselves like make it known that they were interested in me often you know third party when you're young like you tell someone else to tell the person that you like them and that's how <laughs> I heard about this woman you know, someone else told me like um she worked in her auntie owned this complex that was like a bar and a restaurant and a um and a clothing store and i i had started making friends with her auntie and her auntie's partner at the time and then her auntie's partner told me 
that she was interested in me. And I was like, the first time I tried to talk to her, she ran away from me. I think she just got overwhelmed with shyness and she ran away. And I was like, I don't know what that's about. Um, But then he later told me that she was into me. And I was like, okay. And so I approached her again. So cute. Yeah, it was so cute. (laughs) I can tell cute stories. That relationship was really cute. Didn't end well, but it was really cute um, at the beginning for sure. Um, And I think like... I really appreciated that she made herself available to me. And then I was, I had the option to go, Oh, okay. And like lean into that. Um, But I can actually look back and say that there is a quality in her that I was attracted to that I'm still attracted to. And that has been in every relationship I've had, this one quality runs all the way through. And it's something that I'm particularly, that I find myself particularly attracted to. Um, and it's a, it's a quality of innocence and it's not necessarily, it's not naivety and it's not childishness, but there's like an innocence. There's a, the, the, the world is still mysterious. There's a, there's like a, an openness to be like to things being discovered, discovered and like openness to the novelty of life. Like, yeah, there's just this quality of intimacy, innocence that has been consistent in all the women that I've spent some time with um have shared that um cool so like what i'm what's coming through for me when i hear you say that is the word curiosity mm. like yeah that's kind of that curiosity that that unknown so the innocence like being innocent is this like fre- i see like a fresh canvas kind of thing like this person is just so open to learning, so open to discovering, and there is that genuine curiosity there. Mm-hmm. Is that, yeah, absolutely. Is that kind of like what you mean when you say innocence? I'd say like curiosity is part of it, and then I'd say also there's another part of it is like she's 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 impacted by the world. You know, we might go to the beach, and I can just see that like she'll be overwhelmed with the senses of the beach, the breeze and the ocean and the noise. And she just like, she'll let that touch her. And it's not something she's actively doing. It's just, that's just the way she is. You know, I remember one girlfriend, it was actually our first proper date. We hung out, like we'd been chatting for a while. I'd met her before and we'd been chatting for a while. And then she came up to visit me and I picked her up from the airport and I took her to the beach. And I remember her walking down to the beach and just like throwing her hands up in the air and just being like, I could just see her face just like, oh, like luxuriating in the ocean. I was just like taking that in. It was like I was taking I was delighting in her delight. Um, yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's that particular quality versus the opposite of that would be um, whenever there's a, like a rigidity, there's a like, no, this is how things are or this is how things should be or uh, mm. like a criticalness, like finding, finding the thing that's wrong with everything. I'm like, no, that's my job. I'll do that bit. <laughs> wow no. yeah. yeah painting the contrast like that's powerful because I've been in both mm. and it's interesting like one of the things that came up for me was like any woman that's listening to this and hearing you say that it's easy to immediately go into the performance of that exactly. oh next and time I go to the ocean work. I'm gonna do this with my partner and act all like in the moment and it's like mm-hmm. don't do that ladies like don't be pretending I mean- to be innocent. Well, on, honestly, that's even more unattractive than the lack of the quality to me. Yeah. Like when, 
whenever I, whenever I feel, and that's just my, my natural proclivity because I'm drawn to authenticity and that's the work that I do and about vulnerability. And I'm like really interested in what is it like to reveal ourselves fully and to be ourselves fully. So whenever there's any kind of performative layer over that, I'm immediately like, I'm turned off. I'm not interested. I won't, I won't pursue a woman if I feel that, that layer and whatever that layer it is. Sometimes that layer is very sexual, like, but it's a kind of, or very feminine, but it's like, it's a painted over feminine. It's a feminine over some kind of rigidity or it's a sexual over some. And I'm like, I don't actually feel that you are a sexual, like, you know, I've been with, with women who are like, they are like teachers of sexuality or something like that. And, and they're very like in, they, they have an identity invested with it. And at the same time, I felt like some of the earlier experiences with these more innocent women were actually like 10 times more sexual, like in terms of the area that we explored and the experiences we had, like, like mind blowingly. And there was no, like there was no identity wrapped up with it. It was more just this embodied, like, Oh, sex, how interesting. I'll open to that and see what happens versus like doing something to be sexual or doing something to be energetic. Yeah. Okay, cool. So there's a difference between it being innately expressed or um, coming from this true essence compared to this before it's a performance you know it's like like you said this identity and this mask that we often put on because we think that we need to embody especially like with archetypal work embodying all these different archetypes which personally i haven't really felt drawn i think it's powerful i just want to say that archetypal consciousness is a thing and it's powerful work and it and it is to some degree very useful it's a tool it's a modality um and that's what it, it's great to reference these archetypes and practice embodying them. I'm not trying to diss that work, but what I love is people embodying their own unique archetype, <laughs> creating their own archetype, being their own archetype rather than looking at all these different versions of what they should be doing, like Lilith or the wild woman or the lover or this or that, which is still just equally as powerful. Yeah, I mean, for, for me, I would say that the archetype work becomes powerful when it's an, it's a doorway to go in and discover our own tendencies. Mm-hmm. And that's that's beautiful. But when it becomes another constructed layer to put over the top, then it's mm-hmm. actually just creating more distance from our own authentic self and our expression. And the more yeah. distance there is, the less the less we can be felt, you know, the less others are going to feel us. And for me, that's important. Like, I won't if I can't feel someone's genuineness, it's not, it's not appealing to me. Mm. Yeah. Fully feeling that and hearing that. It's, um, it's a big one. So you were attracted to this innocence and this, like, it's almost like this, this woman's present to everything that's happening in that moment, the presence of her experience. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and I would say in terms of, like, consciousness, using inverted marks as well, <laughs> like, some of the women that I dated, particularly in my 20s, were not interested in any of this kind of work. I started getting interested. I picked up a book, The Multi-Orgasmic Man by Amantak Chia, when I was, like, 21 or something. And I'd already been, I, I was raised by Buddhist parents. I'd already had, like, spirituality was something that was inside of me as like a normal like I actually tried to avoid it you know for a long time because I was embarrassed yeah. my parents or whatever 
but I used to read when I was younger. I would read like Carlos Castaneda. I would like, I would read different wow. books. I grew up on Buddhist mythology, stories of the Buddha and his enlightenment and everything. And so, um, I kind of left that behind, particularly when when dating. And then around the age of twenty one, I discovered the multi orgasmic man and this whole world. And I was like, oh my god, like you can get enlightened by having sex. I was like, that was the. So I was like that's what I want. And I got really deeply into it. And then I'm like trying to get this woman to like come in, come along with me for the ride. She's like, the fuck is this? I don't, I don't want to do this. This is like weird. Mm. And I was like, come on, like play with me, get into it with me. And she like, it didn't make any sense to her. Like she wasn't at that, that stage where this was an interest to her. And so this happened in my twenties a few times often the women that I would date would have no, I had this hunger or this curiosity for exploring something and it wouldn't make any sense to them. And essentially that was that was what ended all those relationships was when that tension became too high of like my desire to go deeper or whatever the fuck you want to call it was at, wasn't matched by theirs. And there was just a disparity that would that meant that I was I was constricting myself in some way. Um, and then I would feel really alone in that. Yeah. I struggle with that feeling in relationships, the feeling of the constricted feeling and then not feeling free mm-hmm. to like, you know, be fully expressed, liberated in, 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 in exploring all these things because of this sense of responsibility or this sense of like, mm-hmm. you know, not wanting to just, just wanting to tiptoe around that person and this whole, the two worlds that you're living in. Yeah. Yeah. So, do you want to share how that relationship ended and what you learned for, about whatever came from that? <laughs> yeah, that was hard. Like my early breakups really took it out of me. I didn't, I had some like deep rejection, yeah. abandonment wound that I've, you know, that I've basically had to work on in, in my late thirties and go, hang on this, let's not do this again. Yeah. Um, it's taken me a long time to really recognize and work on that. Um, with her, she, so she worked in her auntie's bar. She was this sweet, beautiful, innocent creature. Um, but she worked in an environment that was basically a bar where tourists would come, you know, every night she'd be up till two, eventually the curfews changed and it was up till midnight every night serving alcohol to tourists on a holiday in Chiang Mai. Um, and I was just coming over several months a year I'd come in in my university breaks and we'd just spend all that time together and um we'd go away on on little trips her her auntie's ex ex ex-husband was an Australian man and he had a he had a lodge up in the hills and we'd go and visit him and her mother had another lodge even further out we'd go stay there and I loved it. it was so much fun and I remember her this man her auntie's ex husband saying to me he said you need to get her out of that bar. Like if you genuinely want to be with her, you need to take her out of that environment. And I was like, okay, as soon as I finished my university degree, I'll do that. But by that time it had started to become too late. She had started drinking. She was drinking almost every night. She'd started smoking. Um, We used to smoke weed together, but she'd picked up a cigarette habit as well. She was drinking and she'd started sleeping with guys just sometimes. And at first I was like, I'm not there in the country. It's okay. You know, and there was a time earlier on in the relationship where I, I broke that seal first, where I wasn't, I was back in Australia and I slept with someone and 
told her about it and that affected her and but we stayed together and then she started sleeping with men and it just became more and more and more regular you know it started to become something that happened every week and then things just got really messy and I got super triggered and I went over we ended but then like we ended while I was in Australia and then I went over there and to end in person and then we got all wrapped up with each other again but then then it just got so messy I was like whoa yeah it's not it's not a good not a good ending (laughs) yeah well throwing you know alcohol and like cigarettes all both numbing vices Mm -hmm. um speaking from experience of course (laughs) yeah it's 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 interesting though that even then you were still able to consciously relate on some level and be open about like who you were with and what you were doing and be accepting mm-hmm. of that like mm-hmm. so just on that actually which is really interesting so you you were you were like I, I want to fast forward to now mm-hmm. um you what are your views on monogamy and open relating versus open relating I don't actually know like mm-hmm. I don't know what my views are there I don't know what is the most ideal relationship for me I don't I, I feel very open. I feel like, like I was saying before, sex is no longer the thing massively driving me. It's still there. It's still something that I, you know, that I love to engage, but it's no longer the thing that when I was younger, it's almost like this. And I'm sure most men can attest to this. It's just this like fucking massive preoccupation that would just not leave me ever, you know? And that's, that's diminished as I've gotten older. Um, and so as that's diminished, it's allowed me to see more clearly, like, what is it that I'm actually wanting? Um, and I feel for me, monogamy is something that I would like, I feel very open to, I feel very like, uh, like I don't have any need to like not be monogamous. It's not, it's not something that I would ever put pressure into, um, but for the purpose of it, it'd be like, what's the purpose of it? And for me, the purpose of monogamy would be like, we're going to create a safe environment to have a child. You know, that's we're, we're going to create a family. We're going to raise a child. We're creating a safe environment. And that means that we need to relate in a way that's going to feel the safest for both of us. And that may be a monogamous way. That may be like, this is actually what our nervous systems are going to thrive on. And this is how we're going to. And then for me, like monogamy would be, it's like, it's a, it's like a deep companion. It's like, mm. I would only enter that is with someone if like, do I feel like I have a companionship with you that my life is actually better by the fact that I'm living with you, you know, and that we're only relating exclusively. It makes my life more enriched, more rewarding Then yeah. fuck. Yeah. Like I'm into that. But if it's not like, if it's monogamy and I actually find that I've I've lost my sense of identity and I don't really know who I am and I'm no, no longer free to be in connection with my friends and pursue my hobbies. And I've done this in relationship, right? Where I don't, mm. I kind of just give up bits of myself over time to spend all my time with this other person. Mm. And I actually find my life becomes less rich, less vivid, less vibrant. I start to become, we're always processing or working through something. And it's like, hang on a second. Like that's mm. not I, like, that's not an appealing prospect for me. So it's like, yeah monogamy is fine but is is there enough freedom in there that we really have both our own lives and enrich each other's lives and from that place sweet you know yeah and then from there there may be like 
You know, like I've heard other people put it and I'm like, oh, that sounds possible to me. I've actually, it's, it's really interesting that, that it's the women in my life right now that are challenging my ideas around monogamy than men. Women going, you know, like I really want to be with one partner, but I think about a ring of lovers that we're with sometimes or that I see someone. I'm like, this is all new to me. Like, like so interesting <laughs> to be here. Like, yeah, I want, I want one partner, but I also want to have lovers on the side. And I'm like, as I understand women's sexuality widening as they kind of do this work, right? It kind of makes sense. It's like, yeah. yeah, actually, you're probably like, I don't know if I probably would be able to give you everything you want there. So I'm like, maybe. Mm. I, I'm like, I don't know. Maybe that's a possibility. I, I don't know. Um, but I feel I feel like that's a dis- like that's not a I don't have a hard line or a red flag or like a non-negotiable here. It's a discussion mm. that would be based on the person themselves and the type of life that we want to create together. And that's a discussion that I'm willing to be in. It's a dialogue. And it's the connection you share with someone has a big part of it as well, would you say? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, it's gonna be it's gonna be person specific to like yeah. you know, we come together and this feels amazing and I wanna like spend way more time with you and actually live with you because actually because my life just becomes easier and, and the things that you do in the house and the life complement the things that I do and your hobbies and interests complement mine and I feel like like life is better with you in it than without it and then and then from that what's actually going to serve us the best yeah. yeah there was something that you said to me recently that i'm just going to bring into the conversation that's been a game changer mm. and it was a question you posed around like how do you want this person to be relating like how do you what are you looking for in a man in terms of like how he relates with you mm. and something like that and that just dropped me into like what it is that I value when it comes to like communication and Mm -hmm. um conscious relating and all that sort of stuff um and now I'm hearing you say things around the complimentary things around living together and all that sort of stuff so it is a little bit of a and a little bit of b like finding that mutual yeah I mean it's got to be it's got to be logistically we've got to be so a lot of us, like a lot of us, and I've done this before, and I see lots of people doing this. They base relationship on sex and or love, and those things are less rare than we think. Like it's, you spend enough time with someone who's like really a lovely human, and you'll fall in love with them. And having really good sex is like we can have that with the partner that's really not okay with us. Sometimes that's some of the most amazing sex. Right. Yeah, I mean, I've certainly like been the there. toxic. <laughs> Not talking yeah. about those like really unhealthy relationships and bonds, and it's like mainly trauma bonds that I've experienced. Some hottest sex. It's just yeah. like this is so naughty, and that adrenaline and dopamine mm-hmm. is just thrashing, like pumping through my veins, and it's just hot. <laughs> it's not, yeah, Ex- exactly. <laughs> and but then logistics is something that isn't normally considered by most people, but like the, the term partner, right? You're going into partnership with someone. And if you're like, if you were going to go into a business partnership with someone, you'd really assess like what are the compatibilities in terms of entering a business negotiation. It's like taking on a life partner. It's like you're going, like it's even bigger than a business partnership. It's like, holy fuck, like you're going to share expenses, house, potentially a child, you know, like so much of your life wrapped up in and and how logistically compatible do we want to live in the same kind of house in the same location mm-hmm. do we want to have the same amount of kids do we like like are we compatible here like and if if so that to me is like probably more important than whether we you know whether we love each other or have the hot sex those things can be developed 
you know, obviously you want to have some base in them and, and a good sign that they're going to be developed and they're on a positive yeah. trajectory. But if the logistical piece is not in there, it's like good luck because probably you're going to be fighting and breaking up in a couple of years when that mm. intensity wears off because you're not a match. And so part of that would be to me is the, the thing that you mentioned is, am I being related to the way that I, that I want to be, that a way that I need to be, the way that feels safest, the way that opens me? Are they, mm. are they relating to me in that way? And that's something that's become more and more apparent for me of like, I look for that. Do I feel when this person is connecting with me, do I actually feel like myself soften and open to them? Do I feel more myself with them? And if I yeah. don't, what am I chasing? I'm usually, a, here we go, we're going onto a slight tangent. I'm, I'm just okay. going to say it though. What I've learned in myself, I've seen this and it's become like it smacked me like full visibility now is that whenever I'm not being related to the way that I want, I'm usually relating, getting related to in the way that's familiar and that's the mother wound. I'm getting related to in the way that my mother and my early conditioning related to me that set up an insecure relationship to love and I'm seeking out that familiar pattern and going, oh, you relate to me just like my mother did. You, you like whenever I show a vulnerability, you immediately try, this is for me personally, you immediately try and fix that or change that or like get me out of it, you know? And that's exactly what my mother did. And so I would choose partners who would do the same thing, be uncomfortable with my vulnerability and like wanting to change and everything. And then I would try and change them to relate to me the, the way that I wanted to be. Basically, because I'm trying to heal that wound externally by changing wow. the other person. When I like do the work and go, hang on a second, actually healing that wound is no longer willing to put myself in a situation where that's how I'm being related to. And it's like, if I have that in front, I can see that in the, in the second date, you know, I can see that yeah. very quickly that, oh, love, like there's someone out there who's going to love the way that you relate, but it doesn't suit me. And yeah. if I continue, if I continue down this path with you, I'm going to end up trying to change you. You're going to feel like shit because of it. And we're going to end up in an ongoing conflict around this place. Much easier to actually have that in my conditions and go, oh, I feel like I can actually share myself the way that I want to share myself with you. Okay, I'm willing to open further. This is like so important, this point that you're making. It's so important because... I've seen it in my Facebook group, my private group, High Quality Intimacy, and the common thread, the common theme with, with women that are asking questions and what I'm noticing beneath the layers of the, the their questions is this rescuer energy, this, like, project management vibe of, like, oh, I need to fix him. I'm feeling validated by, you know, helping him, being there for him. And being this like pillar of strength, and it's it's this trauma bond between the mother wound and the and the you know that's where they're seeking. It's it's what you've just described. Mm -hmm. The mother wound. The mother wound is interesting because the mother wound is is applicable for for both men right. and women in romance. The way the woman seeks out a partner and the way the partner relates to them is also her mother wound, not a father wound. Father yeah. wound is about boundaries, boundaries in industry. It's not about relationship, although that's going to get tangled up in another way. It's usually that the, the, the love feeling is the mother wound. Mm. Yeah. And so in your experience, like being aware of this, um, 
what's it like on the receiving end as a man to be on the receiving mm-hmm. It's hard to ask you the questions because you kind of like you've done the work, but I'd love to hear from two perspectives, from the mm-hmm. unconscious version of yourself being on the receiving end so that mm-hmm. not unconscious, but I guess more the more relatable part of you on the receiving end and now not that you're not relatable now but do you know what I mean like now that you're kind of like more self-aware to a certain point you can mm-hmm. see these patterns playing out in women so you're aware of it mm-hmm. like there's a lot of men out there that probably are not aware of this behavior as there are women who are not aware of behaving this way which mm-hmm. is why we're having this conversation is to bring light to this to to make it okay to have this sort of pattern playing out because it is okay it's okay to be behaving this way it's just like let's notice this playing out and what can we be doing that's going to enhance our experience in our relationships and so yeah back to my two questions in one what's it like on the receiving end for you the receiving end of of what particularly to be with a woman who is trying to fix you, like what you listed off at the beginning of what you have just said, trying to fix you, trying to like make you feel better, trying to mother you essentially. Mm. So yeah, for me, it, it would like when I say mother me, it's, it would often be that, whenever I would express some part of like my vulnerability, something isn't going right for me. I'm like upset about something, something's gone wrong. I'm in like, and there used to be like, I used to be a lot more chronically in this. So I could, it makes sense. The, the reaction would often be um, just immediately problem solving. Cause this, and this is what my mother has done with me, even does with me as an adult now. Um, problem solving like or trying to like smooth it away just being like oh don't worry things are going to get better blah 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 and I'm like for me that's not I, I, I don't like that that's just my personal thing some people are actually really fine with that some people actually respond well to that but for me I personally don't that's not mm-hmm. so what would happen to me is the moment that happened like I'd share some vulnerability I'd share like um I'm, I'm missing my friends or I'm feeling lonely at the moment. And they'd be like, oh, but you've got heaps of friends. Why don't you call one of your friends up? Why don't you call this person like this? Um, and this would happen from mother or a woman, right, that I'm dating. And I would, my reaction would be I just shut down. I just close up. I'd be like, uh-huh. And I'd just close up. And I would cease sharing every, anything else. Like I'd just stop sharing. And over time, if that kept happening, I'd just share less and less and less of myself to the point where I'm like, I'm just living in a shell, you know, and I feel really estranged from her. And I'm just like, there's just no space for me to share anything about myself here. So I don't. Um, Or, and or, I'd get into like really long arguments, triggered arguments with her, basically me trying to be like, I need you to fucking validate me and hear me and not to say anything and her getting upset and being like, I am hearing you. Like I'm just doing this because I care about you or whatever. And then we're just triggered and spend all night long processing this fucking thing. And me having to now expend my effort to like take care of her being offended by the way that I didn't feel heard by her. It's like, I don't feel heard by you. And then she gets reactive to it and I have to take care of her. 
And then that ends and she feels like, okay, I've taken care of her. And I'm like, you still haven't fucking heard me. Like I'm still over here feeling unwitnessed, unseen. And I just start shutting down. In the past, I just thought it'd just be these patterns of reactivity or I just start shutting down and just share less and less and less. And, and once I start doing that, we're heading for a breakup eventually. Like that's on the cards, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. So now I simply just like, it's just one of the things that I'm scanning for, you know? And, and if that's the way she relates, I'm just like, okay, cool. That's the way she relates. I'm not going to bring her that close into my field of intimacy. She's not a prospect for a partner. I'm not going to try and change her at all. I'm not interested mm. in doing that anymore. Like that's where she is. That's how she relates. Someone out there is actually going to be really met by this, but it's not me. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I like that. Just having that like standard without that expectation. Mm-hmm. And it yeah. goes both ways, whether you're a woman listening, whether like a man listening to this and, and resonating with that or a woman who has, her own set standards and not expecting a man to change and wanting him to change. Like it's so important to just accept each other as we are. Mm -hmm. I've been really sitting on that. The standards feel so incredibly powerful to me and standards are not an excuse to, to point out someone flaws. That's not Mm -hmm. what a standard is. And a standard isn't a like, loud proclamation of like this is how i deserve to be treated or whatever standard is simply like this is what works for me and i that that's what i'm open and available to and it's like the moment i feel like the moment i feel like i have to change someone's behavior or tell them how they need to relate differently to me especially if they're not just asking if they're not saying hey actually how do i relate better to you sometimes they do that like i do that with with women i date and i've had women who I date, who ask me that sometimes too, like they'll do something. I've, I've had a woman, you know, that I've related to recently where I sh- like, she went into a fix it mode. I was sharing something about myself and my situation it wasn't even a big deal. And she went into like giving me suggestions and I just like my whole body went like, I could feel the anger in me. I'm a manifester in human design as well. So I, I hate being told what to do even less than everyone else <laughs> or even more than everyone else. So I'm a man and a manifestor. Like I hate being told what to do. And like my whole body went, "Mm." and then she, in this beautiful moment, she said, can you just give me a minute? She kind of tried to, tried to assert that over me. Like, Oh, it's just your mind doing this thing. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, this is, I don't like this. And then she's like, can you give me a minute? And she just like went silent for a full minute. And then she just said, I'm not going to do that anymore with you. And I was just like, Oh, fucking thank you. Like, Thank you. That's all I need. Like, I don't like, that's it. We don't need to argue about it. We don't need to process. This is, if you want to relate to me in that way, I'm going to say, well, okay, I'm going to just put you a little bit further out in my ring of intimacy. You can stay over there in the place where I don't share my vulnerabilities with, because I don't want that. People who I share my vulnerabilities with meet me in a certain way. And so my standard isn't like the the thought that I have is, is if I need to change someone or tell them that I'm wrong or think that they're wrong or do anything like that, I have no right dating them. Like if I can't just accept someone and be like, fuck, I love the way you relate to me and I love the way you show up with me. If I'm not content with that and I'm in any form of trying to rearrange them or I'm bitching to my friends about like how they're not doing this thing, I have no right dating them. That's not the right person for me to date. 
and it happens all the time. Constantly, constantly. Constantly. All, and I and I believe it's because we get we're trying to change, we're trying to heal our own wounds externally. If I can yeah. fix you, if I can rearrange you to make me feel okay, then my wounds will be healed. It doesn't work that way. Never has, never will. Ever. Yeah. Yeah. I've I've been there many times. Mm-hmm. And I've also not. Like it's just it's interesting. Um but what really rang what really stands out from what you, all of that that you've just said is those moments where you do share your vulnerability and then it becomes about her. That's the worst. And it's like this subtle gaslighting, and I like don't use that word lightly or that phrase lightly, but it is. It's a subtle gaslighting, and it's kind of like this defense and protect defense mechanism and protection mechanism that's built in to victimize ourselves as women mm-hmm. because we're not willing to sit in the discomfort of our man's discomfort. Mm-hmm. I remember this um, listening to a talk from Brene Brown and it was mm-hmm. the first time it dawned on her that, Oh, men have an experience that's different to women. And she was talking about shame and she'd been researching shame for women mm. and everything. And this man came up to her afterwards, book signing or whatever, and said, you didn't talk about men's shame. And she's like, men, like, what do you mean? Like, it, like she hadn't even, hadn't even thought to him. And, and, and he's like, you see my, my wife and daughter over there? They would yeah. rather me die than fall off the white horse I'm riding. And there's this sense of like, it's terrifying in a woman's physiology to deal with a man not knowing what he's doing for a moment. Or like, it's almost like he gets upset and the woman goes, holy fuck, if he's upset, who's going to look after me? I need to get the attention back on me. I need to make sure that he can look after me. And the unconscious pattern in that can be, I need to make a bigger scene than him. I need to make more drama than him. So he steps back into his protector and looks after me. The, the thing is, a man having a moment of, like, I've had a hard day, something's not working, doesn't mean that if, if a fucking robber, you know, or a zombie appeared at the door, he wouldn't go, oh, fuck, I better kick that thing's ass. Like, he's going to still show up. But there's almost, yeah. like, this thing, vulnerability means he's not going to be able to show up ever again. You know, there's the immediacy to it. What? Okay, because I... I'm, like, I don't feel that way towards my man who's had a hard day and he's going through a tough time. I don't think that he's fallen off his white horse. Mm. Is that a thing? Like, do women think that way? Is that what Brene is talking about? Like, is that what he was talking about? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, so, so my experience is, is more at a subtle level and that comes back to this like need to fix or change my feeling is like, is like my discomfort, like something's going wrong with me and I'm just like, uh, like I'm sharing, I'm unburdening. And it's, it's almost like the women's discomfort with that. I'm making up the story that it's driven by this sense that I don't know if that's true, but I make up the story that's driven yeah, by the yeah. sense of like his vulnerability means he can't protect me. And then all the unconscious patterns come out of like, I need to change mm. that dynamic very quickly, get him to feel solid and safe. You know, in my mom's case, it was probably more like if he's not feeling good, then I'm doing a bad job. It could be anything, right? But something... Yeah their discomfort brings up a discomfort in me and I don't want to deal with that. So I need to change your discomfort to get, I need to get rid of it as quick as possible. But the worst that, yeah. 
Well, I was reading a book called Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. I read this towards the end of my last relationship, a little too late, but that's all right. Everything Mm -hmm. happens for a reason. Um, And if anyone's listening and you're in a relationship and you want to learn how to better communicate and understand each other, great book. Um, But, yeah, there's a part of the book where it talks about Mr. Fix-It. So Mm -hmm. when women are venting to men and how we're, like, wanting to just, like, vent. We don't need to be fixed. We just want to be, like, venting. Um, and then the home improvements committee. So like as a woman, we go into this like project, like I said, this fixing the project and wanting to fine tune and refine this man and make him better and improve him in such a way that essentially from reading other texts, like Alison Armstrong is actually quite emasculating. Mm-hmm. Um, so it sounds a little bit about like when you're sharing this with me, that's what spot, that's what I, it, triggered that memory of that book and that home. it's, it's this, probably yeah. something to do with that but I, I I think I'm a bit of a unique case as well in that I've done a lot of self-work or whatever I'm really self-aware so I'm not the I'm not the typical project that a woman would take on because this like I move very very quickly if something comes up I'm already learning it. I'm often I'm often initiating her I'm often giving her you know things to work on and grow and develop and everything. So I'm not really a project in that sense. Um, okay, yeah. So it's a, it's a little bit of a different dynamic, um, mm. but but it's one that I I struggle with. And I definitely do find other men who are, who are in the category of more self-aware will struggle with the women do the fix-it role. The women yeah. go into Mr. Fix-It and it's really weird. And like, I'm like, the women in my experience, I, I've experienced more women doing that you know, like, which is really okay. bizarre. Yeah. So it's like, and this is what I've taken from my experience of reading these texts, is that there is, like, men are from Mars, women are from Venus, mm-hmm. that idea, right? Mm-hmm. Switch that into the non-physical and think about the energetics. Mm-hmm. So the masculine and the feminine. Mm-hmm. So I see the fixer characteristic as something that resides within the masculine way of yeah. moving through yeah. things. And the feminine is nurturing and, and that whole venting space, holding space like that, you know, even though the masculine is, I believe, like the container, the space holder um, and the feminine is that chaos that's sort of like wildly untamed within that space. Um, there's a different way. I, I just completely digress. Mm-hmm. But there's a, yeah, there's a way of embodying these energies and having them expressed and it does feel like this polarity that's flipped which it like I'm going to completely go off topic here but my theory is and I'm still researching this I'm still looking into it I want to read the bible to better understand theology around the masculine and feminine energetics and where they all originated and all the things but my theory is that we have Take away the new age, like non-binary fluid, non-associated to labels kind of um, aspect that's now present in our current culture. Take away all of that and just bring it back down to biology and science. We've got the male body and the female body, the physiological representation of these things. And I think it's this energy. And I feel like the work I don't know this is what I'm being called to but my theory is that like we are physical representations of the energetics and this 
dance between the patriarchy and the matriarchy starts in the way we relate with each other when we're fully embodied in these energies. And once we can integrate both within the self, so having a balance between the masculine and feminine, we've got the left side of the brain and the right side of the brain both have different roles in the and different functions in the body, both also mirror different elements and aspects of these energies between the masculine and feminine and what they are and what they mean. It's all like this. I'm seeing the parallels. I'm seeing the um, synergy between the physiological representation of what it means to be feminine, what it means to be masculine and how that's represented energetically and how we can embody that. And as women, especially with this whole feminine rising movement, it almost feels as though that it's coming from a masculine place, even though it's like, fuck the patriarchy, fuck this, fuck that. And like this, like rise of the feminine, we deserve equality. We deserve this, we deserve that. The way that it's, in my opinion, the way that it's being navigated is through the masculine. It's not very feminine. Yeah. And, and so that's what like I'm passionate about is like bringing people into that women, especially into their feminine essence in the space of relating, mm-hmm. but also being integrated enough to have a healthy relationship with their inner masculine. So therefore they're able to relate healthily, health, healthily with the masculine and men in their mm-hmm. lives and to appreciate what it means. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree with what you're sharing. I find, I mean, I don't, I only date really quite feminine women. Like I've never really. Can you tell me what that looks like for you? We were at well, def- 60 minutes, but yeah, yeah, you just let me know time on it, but yeah, I want to know what you mean. That's okay. Definitely that quality of innocence that I was talking about. There's a quality of like, there's just a very distinct, distinctly different way that I see women who are particularly feminine experience the world than me. There's, there's a lot more sensuality in her experience. But again, this is all like embodied. This isn't like, she doesn't have to like do sensuality. She just is in it. She doesn't have to do innocence. She is in her innocence. She's, she doesn't have to like do woman. She is woman, you know, like there is this, it's really, it's hard to describe because, because they're not, it's not a set of qualities that you could go and like start painting on top of yourself and be like, now I'm feminine because that's actually, that's a masculine way of doing things. Yeah. You know? So doing is the masculine. <laughs> Very much, you know, like I'll go, okay, I'm going to like, I mean, obviously we want to come into a more embodied stage, but as a masculine, I can start going and doing like more directive activities and that will immediately bring me more masculine. It will immediately bring more testosterone into my body. Mm. Um, uh, I'm not so sure if I'm, if I'm what I'm saying is accurate, but anyway, definitely, definitely more of an embodied, definitely more of an embodied sense um, in women that there's just an innateness to the way that she experiences herself. And whenever there is any kind of performative aspect, it's all right. Sorry um, about that. <laughs> that's okay. Yeah. That, like, yeah. like I said earlier, the performative aspects just don't interest me. So I don't, I don't think I've ever, that's not true. I have dated, dated women, but for very short periods of time who, who do more in that state. And I find I, I don't, it starts to crumble very quickly. Mm. Yeah. Are there some like, in my experience, what it means to be in the feminine is to fully trust the leadership of the men and to fully like 
surrender to the receiving like these are all kind of like textbook things that are quite straightforward but like it's not in the doing it's in the being yeah yeah it doesn't yeah it doesn't even matter like um I was with a lover recently and she like she kind of took the lead in some way like um yeah you know we it was our first time together and and she's like I want this and I want that and I was like oh actually this is really hot you know but But she was very in her feminine while she was doing it. Like it was not, she wasn't bossing me around. She was just speaking her desires. And I was like, that's hot. Like, I like that. But if she was like, I want you to do this or like, you need to do that. I'd be like, what the fuck? Like, no. Yeah, there's such a difference. Oh my God. Okay. So I've, yeah, I fully, I've noticed. So this is since learning about men and how to relate with men, I've started implementing this sort of thing, like that 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 shift around having standards and that shift around like, um, you know, having these expectations. And I want you to do this and I need you to do this, shifting that to like I'm here expressing my desires and observing whether or not the masculine is responding to that, the masculine within me. So I desire a beachside house. I fucking made that happen. I desire to be waking up in the morning, going to watch the sunrise. Me responding to that, my masculine responding to that, creating the structure, creating the framework. I desire to go out for dinner, being taken out on a date, all these sorts of things. It's like this mm-hmm. response and the masculine and the external and the internal. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's such, it's, it's not just about the words. It's not just about the words of, I want versus I want you to do this. That's the energy behind it. Cause you can still say as a woman to a man, I want to be taken out for dinner with the energy behind it of, I want you to take me out to dinner. Yeah, and, and I want you to do this. And, and if you don't take me out to dinner, I, there will be consequences. Yeah. I'm not going to have sex with you or I'm not going to do this. Or I'm not going to do that. I'm going to give you a cold thing. shoulder. I'm going to shut down. I'm going to like all kinds of things. I'm going to make a, I'm going to, yeah, drop yeah. little hints and make you try and figure out what's wrong with me. But you should really know what's up because, like, yeah. you haven't taken me out for dinner. This, like, you know, I've, t- oh, I've had this happen as well where, like, women make assumptions and it's like this expectation that they're able to, men are able to read between the lines of, like, well, he should know that I want to be taken out for dinner. I told him, you know, that I loved it when my friend took me out for dinner and I hinted this and I hinted that. And I'm like, Men are simple when it comes to communication. You just got to be straight up. Because well, when you, when women say that, I loved it when my friend took me out for dinner, you're hearing that she loved it when her friend took her out for dinner. You're not hearing the result that you can provide her. To- totally. I, I, I do think, however, there is a meeting in the middle. So w- women are learning to relate better to men in these ways. And they're like yeah. really wonderful when a woman does you know, she leads through her desire, her vulnerability through creating opportunities versus like directing. And that's like super hot. Like, you know, the, the, the woman that I was with, she's like, she took off her clothes and she's in her laundry and she'd obviously dressed really in really nice laundry. And she's like, I want a massage. You know, I'd really love a massage. And I was oh, like, I'm like, gosh. okay. I'm like, yes, yes. I'm like, sweet. So I go and get like a towel and I put it down. I'm like, okay, I can fucking make that happen for sure. Um, hot, hot, hot. I love that. Like, yeah, definitely. <laughs> put my um, hands all over you, for sure. Yeah, and then, um, but then, then there's also 
the man's side, men's work is to become more sensitive. And can I hear, can I hear when you say, I loved it when my, when my, um, you know, I loved hearing about my friend being taken out for dinner or whatever. And I get, I can actually hear and go, ah, noted, you know, I'm going to make yeah. a note of that and I'm going to go out of my way to do it. Like, you know, and that's my role as the, as the man. And that's my work to become that level of sensitivity so that we're not, it's not like he's not fucking sensitive and listening to me. Well, maybe he hasn't developed that level of sensitivity yet. And he, maybe he wants to, but he just hasn't got there yet. And just like the woman hasn't necessarily developed the, the level of a w- sensitivity and how to relate to a man to bring out the best in him too. It's like, yeah, you know, we've, we've all got a part to play in bringing out the best in each other. Like, like for me, I would hear that. I would hear if I was dating someone, I'd hear her drop that hint. I would be like noted. And then I would, you know, depending on how alive and vibrant I felt in the relationship, if it's, if I'm not feeling mad in the relationship, I start, I stop doing things. That's very clear. If a man, if a man stops doing things for you, there's something wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just on that, you would hear the subtle hint. What happens if it was enveloped in entitlement? Yeah, I mean, then I, I wouldn't do it. Yeah, because that's what I just, happens. I would, I would actively not do it. If it's like, I love when, you know, I love, you know, my, my, um, yeah. my friend got taken out for dinner by her man and it was such a good thing. And it's like that sense of like, you better do that for me. I'd just be like, I'm not doing that. Yeah. That's just not something I'm going to do. Like, I'm not, I'm not, des- I'm not. And here's the fucking paradox. It's so paradoxical. I'm not like, this is where entitled energy always goes wrong. Cause I'm not fucking here to please you. I'm not here to give you everything you want. That's not my role. However, I am here to delight, to d- delightfully do things that light you up. You know, that is, that is a desire that I have. If I'm into you, I want to light you up. I want you, I want to see you radiate. I want to see you lit up, but I'm not, you're not fucking entitled to it. You're not entitled to my intention. You're not entitled to my sex. You're not entitled to my time. You're not entitled to my money. You're not entitled to any part of me. No part of you has any right to any part of me, no matter what, no matter how long we've been together, even. And when we can get with that level of receptivity of like, I don't, I don't expect anything from him and yet I delight in everything he brings. Then for me, I'm like, fuck yeah. Like I bring a small thing and you're like, oh, that was wonderful. I make a dinner for you and you go, that was such a good dinner. I'm like, feel really lit up by you and nourished by you. I'm like, I'm going to do more of that. Yeah. Versus like, I made a dinner for you and you're like, oh, when are you going to do it for me next? Like, or, or I make dinner and you be like, but you didn't, you haven't made dinner for me for six months. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to fucking make it for you again for another six months. Like, yeah, I did yeah. that with my ex a lot. I'd often be like, oh, we're not spending quality time together. And he'd list out. I'm like, I would, I would use the words never and always. Yeah. And he's like, that's not true. I don't never do this. I don't always do this. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I'm like, okay, true. He's like, yeah, of course we spend quality time together. I'm like, no, we don't. He's like, yeah, we walk together every morning. I'm like, that's not quality time for me. And I was like, this real naggy, brittle, unattractive, repelling energy. And of course, he didn't even spend quality time with me. He never, t- like, and I, I'm sitting here blaming him, going through the process of the blight breakup, like, you know, mm-hmm. saying that he's not my standards, all sorts of things. It's a little bit of A, a little bit of B. Like, of course, there's something on his. Both, Absolutely. Both ends. I'm not 
fully taking responsibility. There's responsibility on both ends. This isn't like to say that it's entirely up on me, but it's like, okay, what was I doing? How was I behaving to create that experience in our relationship where he didn't feel inspired or the desire to provide for me with quality time of my version, like going away, camping or whatever it was, you know? And, and, and the, again, the, the irony in the, par- like the paradox here is like, you know, you never spend any quality time with me. And I'm like, and now I want to spend even less time with you. You know, yeah. it's like, it's like, yeah. I, that doesn't, that doesn't incite me to bring more. I, I remember I was some yeah. time ago, I was on a, on a, on a holiday with a partner and we'd gone for a walk on the beach and it was really hot. And I was like getting a bit sunburnt. I was hot. I was a bit tired. We'd driven a long way the night before. And I was like in a, in a part of myself where I was like starting to go a little bit inward and just like, I haven't really spent much time like in my own inner world. And we were talking and I was just kind of quiet and I was like, yeah, really tired. I was just quiet. I wasn't really saying much. And that went on. And then we went for lunch and all of a sudden she starts exploding at me around um, like me not giving her enough attention or something. And it was like, I was like, what? Like, like, I'm just, I'm just having a moment. It's not, there's nothing personal about it. And it like, it became this really big thing. And then that's it. We were like in conflict for the rest of that night. And the next day I was like, I didn't feel any particularly strong desire to like be close to her. Cause I was just like, I'd just been really badly shamed for being true to myself in a moment because I didn't give her what she wanted. And now I'm like even less likely to give her what she wants. It's, it's so, so paradoxical. You, you want the thing, you make a big deal about it and then you get even less of it. So my, my tip to women that go through this, and this is what I've had to learn to do with myself because I've learned that with men, that is something that you guys do. You sometimes just need space and you create that space and whatever that looks like for you, it was going silent, whatever. In those moments of feeling triggered, that's like gold. I see that as a moment of gold to like discover something deeper about myself, to peel back another layer. And it's like, what Mm -hmm. is it that I need to bring into from the shadows out into my conscious Mm -hmm. awareness? What am I? The question is this, ladies and whoever's listening. And this is what I do is whenever I'm feeling triggered is I ask myself this question. What? am I making it mean? Mm-hmm. What am I making that silence mean? What am I making this distance mean about myself? How am I taking this personally? What am I assuming right now? Mm-hmm. And then I just let the stories play out. I, I kind of like sit back and I observe and I'm like, fuck. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm really creative. Like I'm so creative when it comes to this sort of stuff. Like I make up the wildest things in my mind and then I you know, peel back, let the things, whatever, the trigger talks, etc. This is just my way of doing it. Everyone, I feel like, can figure out their own way of moving through a trigger. And then I just really focus on bringing myself back into truth. And you've taught me a little bit of this in your embodied relating, like going through the layers and, and getting ourselves into that space of sovereignty and the fundamentals of authentic relating course that you have is just like blowing my mind. And it's that particular point that I'm referencing in getting to the truth, even though sometimes it doesn't make sense, it's just powerful and it's kind of like a great way to get to the root of what's happening and then able to move forward rewiring and repatterning that. Mm-hmm. And so 
in the past, you know, having that knee-jerk reaction of blowing up like this woman did with you has now transformed into going through the process, figuring out what I've made it mean, and then laughing laughing about what my mind has done because I I think it's quite funny. There's jest in all of this, you know. It's like... um, and there are, there are so, so many ways to respond to, to what's going on. Like, like yeah. I, I, it wasn't personal. I was just in my own world and tired and everything. But obviously the story was made up that I was not into her and we were on a, we were on a holiday together somewhere really beautiful and I should be way more affectionate and da-da-da-da and like all of this stuff. And there, there are lots of ways to respond. A response could have been like, what's going on for you? And I'd just be like, oh, I feel really hot right now. Like, okay, do you want to like stop and get a drink or a coconut or something like that? Actually, that's a good idea. I was, I was so hot. I was so hot to the point I couldn't think anymore. Like I kind of wasn't thinking straight anymore. Um, It was just beating down on me. It's like, oh yeah, that'd be really good actually. Thank you. I was like, you know, or like, and if I say I'm just really hot, that's what I mean. I'm not like holding something back. You know? but as a woman when you're in the story that is not a good enough answer we're just like that's not like that's yeah you're like what's on. wrong with us i'm like what so do you mean like, i'm you hot probe, you probe and you like i would probe and i would probe and i'd probe and i'd be like nah that's not what's it i know something's up i know something until, until you interest. find something <laughs> until you make something wrong like that probing that like that that like questioning and it's like oh my god it's it's suffocating it's so suffocating to be on the receiving end of that. And mm-hmm. as a woman who's dated, you know, I've also been on the receiving end of that where, you know. Totally, I've done that. It's suffocating. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Cool. Um, I was, yeah, we're coming up. We've, we've gone over a little bit. That's all right. That's all right. Um, do you have anything else you'd like to share? I think I like, I just want to reiterate one point that I made and, and it's really where I'm sitting at now. And I, and it's, it's something that i I feel strongly about and I feel strongly in encouraging everyone about it's like that point about, I have no business dating you if I'm trying to change you. Like, it's just not. And, and from that place, just be more, be more honoring of each other, be more honoring that like, okay, you're like, this isn't, this isn't what I want. And that's fine. I don't have to try and fucking force you to change for the next however long, six months, a year, two years, five years, and just make both our lives miserable as a result. If it's not, if we aren't matching in a way that makes my life better, why invest more energy into it? Like really, you know? Mm. So and, and that's not to say that there isn't work and that relationships aren't going to go through rocky periods and we aren't going to have to lean in and like be challenged by things. And it's like, be aware of your capacity and your willingness and desire to do that and match with someone who has the similar capacity and desire. If they don't, if you want to work through rocky periods and they're like, they just dissociate and check out for them, you can't force them to do it. You just go, okay, that's your thing. I'm going to like, I'm looking for, for, for how I want to be met. And it's not, and I think one of the big problems, like a thing that I'm really like a lot of, there's a lot of new things in me. And one of them is like, um, I believe that some, like some of the greatest suffering is resisting what is. And so if, if, 
if a relationship isn't working out and it's something that's like, okay, this isn't working out, it's probably better to end, but I resist that or they break up with me and then I resist that feeling and I go, no, it shouldn't have been like this. And I just go on this like journey of like shaming myself for all the things I got wrong in the relationship and, and then analyzing all the things that they're doing wrong and gossiping and bitching about them to everyone and just like, and I'm resisting that it has come to an end. I'm resisting it. It just causes so much suffering. Whereas mm. for me, it's more and more, it's like, oh, you don't, you don't, you don't want to be with me or you don't want to connect with me or, or, oh, I don't feel this is a resonance. That's, that's the truth. And then just let it go. The moment that happens, let it go. Okay, sure. I get dysregulated a little bit. Every time something ends, I go a little bit, uh, you have to go through grief and, get a little bit shocked and everything. And then I just like take care of myself and that, and it passes really quickly. And then it's like, you know what? I only want to give my heart, my time, my vulnerability, my love, my sex, my, all my things that I have to give to someone who really wants it and who's really going to show up for it. I have no interest in investing it anywhere else. Mac drop. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It is like a mic drop moment. Yeah. I love that. Such a good note to end on. Um, and it's so important because it's, it's just a very potent piece of wisdom. And the, yeah. the cool thing about this is the more I embody that in a really clear way, the more attractive I become, right? And that's true for everyone. The more yeah. you embody your standards, the more attractive you become and the more you actually become possible to have those standards be met. As long as they're not out of alignment, they're not unrealistic. That's, they're not delusional standards. Like I'm like, I still have heaps of anxious attachment and I'm super reactive, but I want someone who's completely secure and he's going to meet me in every single possible way that I want. And is, and I, and I, I am in scarcity mindset and I don't really make much money and everything like that, but I want someone who's already a multimillionaire, you know, it's like, these are, and I'm a little bit, you know, with all due like love, I'm a little bit overweight and I'm like not, not in shape, but I want a man who's like operating in the top tier of manlyhood. You know, it's like, these are delusional. These are not standards. These are delusional expectations. Standards are, this is how I want to be met, you know? And they're, they're, they're appropriate to actually how I'm capable of meeting them. I'm yeah. not, I'm not able to set a standard for someone that I'm not able to meet myself. Radical personal responsibility. That's what that is. It's like be what you want to attract. Yep. And I am such an advocate for that. And I really believe that, like, if you're attracting a certain caliber of men or women or whatever, that's what you are. Reflect that back to yourself and grow into that. Because you're doing that. You're saying yes to these people. You're pursuing these people. Exactly. You're allowing them into your field. Your boundaries are not clear, not strong, not there. Mm-hmm. And that's, you're accepting even, it. Even worse when you're pursuing them, you know, you chase them yeah. down and then they turn out to be nothing like you want and then you bitch about them forever. And it's mm. like, why did you chase that person down? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It all comes back down to self-worth, yeah. I believe. Like yeah. the fundamentals of self-worth and... Uh, like it's easy to be like oh he's treating me this way or she's treating me that way but you are accepting that behavior mm-hmm. people treat you the way you allow them to treat you mm-hmm. yeah. and what you make yourself available for so yeah, yeah. it's just yeah yeah powerful this is yeah come up a lot actually lately not 
just with me but with people I know and it's yeah it's a powerful mm. message to be delivered yeah, yeah. thanks okay. for coming on I'm, awesome. I'm so happy that we've done this <laughs> awesome um, I'm going to end it there guys if you want to learn more about Damien's work or my work I'll leave some information in the bio um, until next time thanks Samantha thanks, thanks.